The Onnit difference is in the details, which is why we just added three new styles of our training tech collection. Built with the Onnit aesthetic you know and love, battle-tested to withstand your toughest workouts. Easily transition from your workout to the office to the grocery store, all without sacrificing comfort, performance, or style. Perfect on its own or for layering over compression gear in cold weather. The sweat-wicking, breathable tri-blend fabric was thoughtfully designed to blur the line between performance and style. Our new technical gear has been thoroughly wear tested on our own trainers and athletes here at Onnit HQ, including myself. And the results are in no adjusting, no constantly pulling up or down, and no digging in. Just comfortable, durable threads built to work as hard as you do day after day. Bottom line, the new training knit collection does its job in style so that you can focus on what matters most, conquering your goals and looking damn good doing it. Learn more at Onnit.com. And as always, 10% off all supplements and foods at onnit.com slash podcast. All right. We've got an amazing guest on the show today, Eric Godsey, who is somebody I work very closely with here at Onnit. He is, uh, I guess he'd be the fucking company psychologist. <laughs> he's the company dream analyzer. He's a, uh, he's, he's well studied in a Carl Jung, um, just a wealth of knowledge, probably one of the most dialed in dudes I've ever met in his twenties. I'm pretty, he's not 30 yet, right? Yeah. You think he's in his twenties. So just fucking phenomenal. I love being around him. I love talking to him. This podcast we actually did back at the end of the year in 2018, and it was supposed to be released on new year's in tandem with God's own podcast to help promote him. He ended up putting his podcast on hold. And so here we are in March for Godsey's first release on the show. But we talk, I mean, we do like a year-end recap and all that stuff, just to re- reframe the fact that I thought this was going to release on New Year's. Outside of that, I know you guys are going to love this podcast. It's dope. Let us know what you think. Thanks for tuning in. Human Optimization Hour podcast with the legend, Eric Godsey. Godzi, don't feel comfortable with that title, but I'll take it. I'm gonna fucking. I'm gonna, I'm gonna graduate you up to legendary status. Uh, some of my all-time favorite podcasts on the Aubrey Marcus podcast have been with you Shut the- as the guest. Wow, thank you. You just finished up um, five things you must do before you die. Yeah, Is that correct. I, I can't wait. To, I mean, that was a beautiful write-up. Uh, I can't wait to listen to that one. The Game of Life. This is fucking one of the dopest podcasts ever. Thank you, man. It's so true. You know. It really, it, yeah. this is the fucking ultimate video game that we're in. Yeah. And I'm grateful that Aubrey asked me to come on the podcast and he has amazing outlines like that ready. And it's just like, it's like a softball pitch and just, mm-hmm. so thank you, Aubrey. Yeah. Well, there's no outline here, so don't expect that kind of shit. Hey, how dare um, you? It will be fire. It will be fire. We're going to do, so for the listeners here, Eric has a fucking brand new podcast coming out. The myths that make us, because it used to be that make us. It used to be called the meta pro the meta programming podcast, but Aubrey was like, "That's stupid. No one will know what that means." Yeah, that's it's garbage. That's <laughs> heard. It's out. All right. So the myths that make us will have part two of this conversation. We're gonna roll for about two hours. It might take a little potty break in between. <laughs> See and. Um, yeah, so you'll hear it first here. If you like what you're listening to, you're going to go over to my boy, Eric Godsey's brand new podcast, The Myth That Make Us. The, the Myths. myths. Yeah. Plural. That Make Us. <laughs> yes, sir. And then you'll get part two of this wonderful podcast to continue on. And hopefully you'll hit subscribe and leave him a five-star rating. <laughs> no because pressure. Because we all love that shit. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk 
and I'm sure you went over this a little bit on the Aubrey Marcus podcast, the first one you're on, but um, how the fuck did you get here to on it? Because we work together now. Yeah. And you're my brother, but let's let's, let's get a little background. So the uh, long version is one day I was born and it was January. No, I'm joking. But <laughs> essentially the first podcast I ever heard. So like when I started college, I thought I was smart. And then my first class, it was a biology class in college, punched me in the mouth. And I recognized that I could argue with teachers, but I actually didn't know shit. And I started smoking weed and started really getting introverted because I realized that I didn't know what the fuck I was doing in the world. And um, eventually I found podcasts. And the first podcast I ever found, the, fir- the first podcast I ever listened to was Joe Rogan. And it was the first time Aubrey was on Joe Rogan and he was talking about doing ayahuasca. I didn't know what the fuck ayahuasca was. I didn't know who Joe Rogan was. I didn't know who Aubrey Marcus was. <clears throat> listened to that. And then that made me a fan of Aubrey for a long time. And I listened to podcasts and I followed what he was doing. And three years ago, the day after I got fired from a bullshit job that I hated that was destroying my soul, but it was enough to pay the bills. Sweet destiny. Yes. The day after Aubrey launches his first iteration of Go For Your Win. I bought it. It's the first thing I ever bought online. It's like the first course I ever bought. I thought, you know, I thought I was above marketing and above uh, buying shit. And I thought it was gross to try to sell anything, but I was, you know, young and stupid. But about the course, went all the way in, was always responding to what was happening in the Facebook group, was just really trying to figure out what the fuck I was trying to do with my life. And I really engaged the course. Long story short, met him at the graduation. He was like, hey, are you that dude that's always writing in the Facebook group? I was like, yeah, that's me. He's like, dude, thank you. Like, it's, it's great content. And then I applied for basically like the lowest level job on the AM team. And uh, he hired me on site because he, he, he recognized the name. Fuck yeah. And then it's just been grinding 10-hour days every day, but I fucking love it. And now I'm here. <laughs> There's been some sweetness in there though too, right? So much. We had the amazing trip to Peru. Uh, yeah, life-changing. You have not broken down your Peru trip yet. Dude, it's it's long and massive. So for people who really want to know, I wrote like an 18,000-word trip report that's on my website that will do it more justice than I could possibly do linguistically Perfect. here now. Let us link to it in the show notes. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> it would take two or three hours to really kind of cover the bases. But long story short, my takeaway lesson from Peru that Don Howard symbolized in front of everybody on the second day of Wachuma is he looked at me, you know how he does before mm-hmm. he gives you the medicine, and he pointed to his head, and he slowly shook his head no, and he pointed to his heart while he's making that godlike eye contact with me. And he points to his heart. Yeah. And he's just like, and that symbolized the you whole. You were nodding your head in yes, approval. Yes. That's what he was doing. They, could, they didn't pick that up on the audio. <laughs> so I wanted to make sure that <laughs> Thank they you. got that. Thank you. You are the legend. <laughs> and that was my takeaway from Peru was I know how to be in my head. I don't know how to be in my heart. And I'm trying to learn since then to be in my heart. Yeah. That's fucking good. You know, I, I like, like Eckhart Tolle says, these are all pointers, right? Yeah. It's not actually God. It's just a pointer to the thing that we're trying to see. Yeah. You know, and um, that's such a direct pointer when you go from pointing to your skull to pointing yeah. to your heart, right? Yeah, man. And there's so many times where I think like, how do I cultivate compassion? Especially if I'm in an argument with my wife and I get triggered 
the thorns come out and I'm not receiving her pain. I don't understand what she's going through because I'm worried about the way I look or if I'm right or wrong or how I get out of this situation instead of just being there for her and listening. Yeah. Right. So like that cultivation of compassion, it doesn't happen from trying to be more compassionate. It happens from being in your heart space and because then you feel it. It doesn't come from books. It doesn't come from watching lectures. It comes from interacting with humans in situations that I don't feel comfortable, where I can't be in my head. I can't be in all the things that I've learned. I have to listen to my animal body in the moment. And like for me personally, that's like dating. Like that's where I don't have a lot of experience, where I can go and be with the dynamic, the dynamic nature of a woman just there in front of me and trying to navigate that without using my mind, you know, like, Mm -hmm. so that's really what I've leaned into since Peru is doing the things to cultivate the energy in the animal body. So like working out and trying to eat right. And then just dating and trying to date honestly, because for people my age, the way we date is we lie we fuck and then we don't text back and it's garbage. And I'm trying to tell the truth, share orgasms and learn, you know, that's a fucking good, that's a good protocol you got there. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I like that. Yeah. The sharing of orgasms is always great too. That's not typically common for ladies to experience those things. I'm so sorry at your age. Yeah. (laughs) It's okay. You don't have to apologize. You're a one, you're a one percent. Yeah. I'm apologizing to women for most men on behalf of the other men. Yeah. Um, Fuck. <laughs> so you're here now. Where do you see? I mean, it's stupid. I, I can't stand it when people are like, where do you see yourself in five years? Like, sure. this fucking place could be gone in five years. Yeah, and I think sure. that's one of the things that makes it so special is that, you know, I got here a year ago. It was like somebody just towed me in. Like, Laird Hamilton was on the jet ski and towed <laughs> me into a fucking wave. And I had yeah. no idea how big the wave was going to get till yeah. I was on it coming down. Like, holy shit, it's a tsunami. And that's really what it feels like here. But especially, you know, I guess we could say you're, you're a part of the inner circle, you know? So like when you're included in things like Peru and these different transformative experiences, it just makes the entire thing better. You know, like there's no way to really say like, it's not a job, you know, like when we're this close with Aubrey and, and he's that close with us, like it's more than a job. And, um, it's it's been fucking awesome having you here. We've had the experience of dropping in together. Yes, we have uh, multiple times. Yeah, and outside of Peru, um, definitely want to take you uh, through the penis envy for sure. You know, for people that don't know what that is, it just <laughs> sounded really really homoerotic. Uh, it is a strain of mushrooms. Might that be the most potent. It happens to be the most potent, and uh, you can Google it. I think the McKenna brothers created the strain, but. It is absolute magic, and uh, and I don't mean that in like a magic mushroom sense that pisses off people like Paul Stamets. I just mean that in like a very <clears> – there's no way to understand that until you go through it. It's beyond language. Yeah, and yeah. even among users of psilocybin. Like and I had a wealth of knowledge and experience with psilocybin until penis envy and was yeah. just like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. Like it's just a different level. And to sense the question that I could tell that you were asking at the beginning is like, where do I see this going? Mm-hmm. Um, what I like, what I'm personally obsessed with is trying to understand human nature as deeply as I possibly can. And for me, like right now, I'm reading Carl Jung's collected works. That's kind of my, I'm climbing a Mount Everest every day before work for two hours. And, and that's kind of like where I'm at right now. 
um, I would like to use the podcast as a vehicle to interview both experts on human nature and any human, because every human is an expert on their human nature and they might not be able to articulate it, but if I can be a good interviewer, I can bring forth the truths of human nature through them in every podcast. So I would really like to make the podcast a solid piece of what I'm trying to do towards understanding human nature. And then what I think I offer Aubrey as a part of like my job here is I try to bring an organizational pull to the information and to link it to people and ideas that are easier for people who aren't as far along as Aubrey to grasp. Because mm. he's got such a deep understanding of the ideas that he talks about that people who haven't even started into the forest of their hero's journey just sees the echoes, you know, like way down in the forest and are like, what do I do? What do I do? You know? And so just continuing to help him like create dope content and make it accessible to the people who are just starting. That's kind of what I see. And of course, doing drugs with my <laughs> friends and my brothers and my sisters. Yeah. I think so. I think um, in any level of mastery, right? And then they, they talk about this, uh, especially with regards to black belts and jujitsu, there's a mastery of the basics. Yeah. Right. And there's a return to that over time. And we've even done that not to fucking promote more on it stuff, but that on it six, right? That's yeah. a return to the basics, a return to the basics of body weight training. Because even if you power lift, you're a professional athlete or you run hill repeats, you can do all this shit. It's still good to be reintroduced to how your right. body moves in space, right? And I think so much of that pertains in what we're doing, both you, know, you on the psychological side and really giving people the mental and emotional and spiritual context to which yeah. to put Aubrey's teachings into. And for me on the physical side, which also ties into the mental, emotional, and spiritual, it but it must be broken down in a way that's palpable for everyone, yeah. right? Mind Pump told me that when I first started podcasting. Like, be careful if you talk about God. Be careful if you talk about sure. this or that or, or a drug no one's ever heard of before because Ultimately, you want your message to hit the lowest common denominator. And if it doesn't, you're going to miss the fucking boat because yeah. you might speak very clearly to 10% of the population, which is yeah. that, that's which is listening to podcasts, which is also a much smaller percentage <laughs> of the actual population, yeah. right? So you don't want that. You want to, it doesn't mean you make your podcast um, watered down, watered down top 40 bullshit, right. mainstream crap, but to be able to explain things For in a sure. way where people understand is critical. And I think that also what I try to bring to that same way of thinking is you are responsible for the audience that you attract. And so if you're like, if you're there just for the money, you're going to attract an audience that you don't like. And that to me feels like a type of hell as an artist. If I've created a product or art that has attracted an audience that I don't like, fuck that life. But also we live in a world where we have a meat suit and it has to eat. And if you have no audience, that's not the right way forward either. Yeah. And I think an idea for artists, because a lot of artists are like, I don't want to do it for the money, man. I don't want to do it. Blah blah. It's like, if you truly have something that can help people, you owe it to the world to find a way to articulate it in a way where the most amount of people can have access to it. If you don't do that because you don't want to break your story of what an artist is, you're an asshole because you're keeping your art from hundreds of thousands or millions of people. Mm. So fuck that noise, but also don't be top 40 radio DJ bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
Yeah, you got to speak your truth. Yeah. Fuck yeah. We are getting close to the end of the year, even though this is going to go... Um, there's January. a fucking song I want to play. I don't even know. <laughs> can we sample shit, Ryan? I don't know that we can sample shit. I don't think we can. <laughs> Maybe we'll add it at the end. It's called Rejoice by Steve Angelo. And it's, uh, it's kind of like um, an EDM song. It's electronic. But it's with a black preacher, and it's Whoa, fucking awesome. Yeah. And he's just he's just preaching. And, yeah. and, and I'm not religious. I, I, he words it in a way that's very palpable for us to understand. Yeah. Uh, I am going to fucking play right now. And if we have to bleep it out, <laughs> we that's fucking will. fine. Maybe it's a seven-minute break and we circle back after. But we're going to listen to it right now. You got it? So fucking good. All right, we can remain in silence while this happens, and then we'll just pick up our audio after. <laughs> oh. Are we awake? Oh my god, dude. Okay. Uh, was that a, was that a fair description? I'm not a I'm not a religious man, but that was religious. Fuck. Yeah, that was religious, but it was also said in a way that is quite. Quite on the psychology tip. Yeah. Right? So there's a bunch of shit that comes up listening to that song. And if you guys want to know what the fuck I'm talking about, you should probably pause this and play that song if it's not something that we can put into the podcast. Okay. okay. So um, to kind of set the stage, our bodies are hundreds of thousands of years old. They have been molded by evolution to perform in the world where there wasn't language for hundreds of thousands of years. And we grew up inside of a tribe and like our body is an instrument that our mind doesn't understand that we have to learn how to use. And the body will give us feelings as data. When you listen to that song, there's a bunch of shit going on. Um, one is there's a way of speaking as a chief that preachers have been honing for hundreds of years. Thousands. Like, yeah. Thousands of years. It's it's a way of speaking that a normal person doesn't talk, but a preacher who gets it down and who speaks in the cadence of the rhythm of the thinking and the people, who gives it, like, it, it seizes the body in a way that normal speech doesn't do it. Also, when there's a bunch of humans making the same sound at the same time, like, think about when that would happen in our tribal history war and ritual like where all the people in the tribe are going are making the same ah like mm -hmm. and it it our body the instrument of that has been honed by evolution we get goosebumps the moment we hear it because it, it's like something significant is about to happen and music has been leveraging that feeling for you know hundreds of thousands of years probably and then there's you know like the piano in there the cathedral, like if you think about what the fuck a cathedral was 500 years ago, that was the epitome of ritualistic architectural magic. Like if you're a farmer and your entire life has lived on the farm, but every Sunday you go to the fucking cathedral and they play the organ that is piped through the entire fucking structure and you hear a sound that you would never hear outside of the cathedral, like... It's a technology that was created to make you feel the feeling of God. And like that song, it uses that, like there's something archaic about it, archetypal about it. Um, drums, 
What's the first sound every single human that's ever lived has ever heard? Heartbeat. The heartbeat. And I think that the drum is something that grew out of like, it is the first sound humans ever hear. And there's something trance-like about a drum beat that is to the cadence of the heart, you know? And every emotional state is linked to a different type of heartbeat. Mm. You can make someone feel something through a drum beating at that heartbeat. And that song used that too. And then there's goosebumps. Like your goosebumps is your body telling you what is happening right now is meaningful. And like when you hear a chorus or when you hear someone speaking like that dude speaks, goosebumps. It's like, this is meaningful. I need to bring all of my attention to this thing. And this is a crazy idea, but the physiological response of what a goosebump is doing is it's trying to make the body larger. And we are both, humans are both prey and predatorial animals. We, in our evolutionary history, have both been prey and predator. That goosebump thing is a prey response. It's something that a prey animal does to try to get big, to try to scare off a predator. Make all those feathers fluff up. Yeah, and yeah. we do that in the face of awe. Like if we encounter something that's awe, like if you take five grams of mushrooms, your prey circuitry starts to go off. Like you're in the presence of something that can destroy you. But it's also what makes shit feel meaningful. And that's like, so goosebumps are weird. Like it's telling you both be terrified and this is meaningful, pay the fuck attention. And then the last thing I wrote is Hermes is, you know, the Greek messenger god. And I think... I just know him as the clone, so you'll have to break him down a little further. As the clone? Cologne. Oh, okay, so... <laughs> that was a college cologne I had, Hermes. <laughs> I only knew about Axe, but anyways. Um, Hermes was the Greek messenger god, and he was basically the only god that could move between Olympus and the underworld and would be able to come back. He was also the one that came and talked to humans. And um, I think Hermes is the anthropomorphization of your intuition. And I think like your intuition is the way the meat suit is trying to talk to the mind. And the beautiful th message of that song is your mind is not done. It's not complete. Wherever your mind is, it's not what it could be. And it has to die over and over and over. And that's why psychedelics are so powerful is like, if you have a rigid mind, five grams of penis envy will get rid of the rigidity for sure. And in order for you to learn and become who you could be, you have to allow your mind to be broken down by your intuition. Like your intuition is going to whisper to you, go do that thing. And your mind's going to be like, no, 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 I don't want to. That's not the right. But a part of you knows that like doing X is exactly the thing that you need to do, but it'll kind of break down your mind. So Hermes is kind of an idea, because I was getting goosebumps while I was hearing that song. Mm -hmm. and it made me think of the idea of Hermes and intuition and following your intuition. But Great fucking song, dude. Thank you for sharing yeah. that. Fuck yeah. Well, I didn't think it's appropriate, right? Because this these uh podcasts are launching in January. It's a New Year's song. That's yeah. what it's about. It's about fucking don't take your old mind into this new year. Don't refuse to live another year with the old ways, yeah. with the old mind, with the negativity, with all the fucking things that go into that, with judgment, with blame, with hatred. Fucking renew the mind, refresh, be born anew yeah. in the fucking new year. Yeah. And that doesn't mean, no, I'm not going to eat chocolate this year. It just <laughs> fucking means like, 
get your mind right and everything else will fall in place. Yeah. There's a quote uh, that I read by Jung recently, and it's, the hero is the sacrificer and the thing that's sacrificed. And if you look at all of mythology, like the core hero story is the human or the God that dies and is reborn. And it's the idea that like what you are is not your personality. It's the thing that can watch your personality die and then watch it be reborn. And I think that the New Year's is a symbolic representation of that idea that in order for you to become who you could be, you need to die. But the thing is, is that the thing in you that dies isn't you. The thing in you that watches the death and the rebirth of who you could be over and over and over and over again, that's you. <laughs> Hello. Ian Desmond just strolls into the fucking podcast with the squeakiest motherfucking shoes on earth in the background. <laughs> and a baller-ass mustache to, to accommodate for... <laughs> For the distracting ask, noises I hear. Ask him what he calls his mustache. What do you call your mustache, Ian? My womb brush. My womb <laughs> brush. <laughs> All right, that's good. That's good comedy break oh, right there. Fuck. Um, you gonna sit and join us, Ian? I gotta go. Why don't you keep playing with plastic in the background while we circle back <laughs> to our uh, story here? <sighs> Amateurs. I thought it was the cleaning lady trying to come in here and, and water the plants. <laughs> Consuela, the plant water. Uh, you got a wave? There you go. All right, buddy. Well, where were we before we were so rudely interrupted by Ian Desmond's ledge at the ledge on Instagram? <laughs> I think like the fourth post that you'll see on his Instagram is Kyle abusing him at work and don't let the HR lady see it. But what we were talking about is basically New Year's resolution. It's so diluted in 2018, what will be 2019, but it harkens back to, in, to probably the most important psychological fact is that you are not who you could be. In order for you to become who you could be, you have to let parts of you die. But you are more than the thing that dies. You are the thing that watches your personality die and regrow, die and regrow. And like, the worst type of mindset that you could have is I don't want to change. Like if, if that's old. Yeah. Right. I think I've talked with you about this before. Uh, I know I, I might've brought it up on the thousand pounds of men podcast on Aubrey's, but the idea of older versus elder, mm, you heard this? No, I okay. like this. So in a tribe, elders were considered the grand maestros, the smartest, the most wise people among the group who yeah. had a wealth of life experience, but still never lost that zest for life and for living. Yeah. Right? Like the, the fucking grandma in um, Moana. Yeah. She's a fucking elder. For that sure. She is a legit elder, yeah. right? And there's a passion there, but there's also that idea that young people have with the elder of respect. And I can learn from this person. Yeah. And it's carried there. In the West, outside mm. of tribes, Whoa. we have olders. Yeah. Olders are people who are extremely bitter that they lived the majority of their lives doing something they didn't want to do based on an idea that was sold to them. Yeah. And in that realization, I have goosebumps right now. Fearing change, fearing the unknown, wanting to keep everything <laughs> stiff and stagnant. Yeah. Much like in Grumpy Old Men, right? And that's not a knock on, you know, there's so many of us who have great grandmothers, grandfathers. 
And we could say that person is an elder that I look up to. That's my tribal elder. I for sure don't. But for every one of those people, there's at least one more that falls into that older category of a little bit bitter, a little bit pissed, a little bit unhappy, um, and resistant to change, right? I think it's far easier if you're engaged with life and you continue to love life to adapt and go with the flow. Yeah. And like, I keep seeing an image of like, what the body of someone who is an elder looks like as opposed to the body of someone who is an older. And like, I just see like a deep hue of like orange or purple in the elder and then of the older, just like a a grayness, like a drabness Mm. and an emptiness. And I think what it comes down to really is truly, where do you put the ego in the hierarchy of your psyche? If the ego is the top thing and you think that that's the king of the kingdom, you become an older. Like over the course of your life, you will not change, you will not grow, you will not kneel to any power beyond the ego and you fucking just get wrinkles and rigidity and bitterness. But like an elder and like the Moana grandmother is a great example. That's someone whose ego is subservient to the God function inside of her. Like she listens to the island and to the elements and to the spirits. And it might not make logical sense, but there's something about humbling the ego in the kingdom of your psyche that breathes life into you. You know, like you are so much more than your ego. And your ego is not bad, but it's it makes for a bad kingdom if it's in the wrong position. Yeah, and that's exactly what the guides are talking about um, in the Book of Freedom, is that it's our egos and our higher self are inextricable from one another. Right. They're braided together as we enter into this body. Yeah, When we choose to come here, which we do, and we arrive, we have chosen that element of duality. And yeah. through that, that's the braiding of the ego with yeah. this higher self. Otherwise, like you talked about in the game of life, it's not a fucking game if we're, we realize all the things that we're capable of and where we come from. For it's sure. like, oh, okay, this is fucking, this is a walk in the park. Yeah. Right? So the element of forgetting and remembering is such an important one to make the game fun. Yeah. To and make it challenging. It's so a couple of things come up. One is that the ego is the bridge that is required for the higher self to be made manifest in the physical world. Like if there was no ego, the, the soul or whatever you want to call it would not be able to act in the physical world. It wouldn't be able to become and made manifest. So the ego is like a bridge, but it needs to be, it needs to understand its role and its role is not the king. And the other part of it is that we're all playing games. This whole life is just games interwoven with games and games inside of games. And there's a way to play a game where if you play it, you make the game better for everyone else who plays it after you. And there's a way to play the game where you ruin the game for everyone else. And it seems to be that you need to not know how fucking powerful you are for the game to continue. You know, like if if you started the beginning of some epic RPG and you were maxed out on everything, the game would fucking suck. Mm-hmm. And so there is this, like, the resistance is the fun. Like it might not feel like the fun in the moment, but in hindsight, like all of your favorite memories, you did something hard. 
and then you got the reward on the other side of it. Like most people don't enjoy climbing Everest during the climb of Everest. Some crazy people fucking love it, but most people love the story Mm -hmm. of having climbed Everest and then of being able to share that with people. And so I think resistance is the way, you know? Fuck yeah. Obstacle is the way. Yeah. Yeah. Many of those uh, parallels. What are some of the ways since getting to on it that you've started to introduce more obstacles? Like, there, you know, I think I mentioned this before. I forget who we were talking to. But we were talking about stress, chronic stress versus um, acute stress. Yeah. And obviously chronic stress being a major problem in the West, For but sure. acute stress being one of the benefits, should we know how to use it properly? What yeah. are some of the ways that you've added in some acute stressors? Yeah. So a really clear one is I started working out again for the first time since I was like 19. I'm in, in the best shape of my life. And so on it is a huge reason for that. Um, <clears throat> hanging out with the tribe outside of work in a place where I'm not super comfortable saying yes to those invites is a, is a piece of my, cause I'm an introvert. I want to be in a situation where I feel like I have control over what's happening and uh, when we do anything outside of the office, the level of energy that comes out of everyone, it scares me. And mm. so saying yes to those invites is one way that I've also accepted the call to the fucking caves and the dragons. Um, I've known I've wanted to read the collective works of Jung for years, and I've just been procrastinating. And I forgot I I started after Peru. Like, I, was just, I, I just knew, like, it's time. And so no matter what happens the night before, no matter how late it is, I wake up at six, I get here by seven, and I read for two hours. Like that's, that's my warrior ethos until I'm done with this fucking book. And so sometimes I get four hours of sleep. I try to get eight because I really like and love sleep and know the importance of sleep. But um, that is an unflinching rule that I now have for myself until I'm done. And then the big thing has been dating. Like, um, I'm really good at being monogamous. I'm really good at having a long-term single bond with someone. But since being around you guys, I like for me, for the point in my life that I'm at, that's choosing monogamy now is me being a coward. Mm. It's me saying no to a call to adventure. I don't know if I'm going to be non-monogamous forever. And I, I honestly don't think I will be. But I know that this is a piece that I need to go through to challenge all of the shitty love stories that I was taught by culture and by my parents. And it's not their fault. They were taught worse love stories that they've tried to extricate themselves from. But trying to date people and fucking be honest about what is happening is probably the hardest thing that I've chose. That's an acute stress. When you go on a date where you know that that conversation is going to come up and a lot of triggers are going to flare up, and you have to sit there as Kali unfolds in front of you. Like, that's the <laughs> acute stressor that I'm saying yes, sir, to every day. Yeah. Yeah, it never, um, you know, as Aubrey says, with open relationship, it's the ceremony that doesn't end, Yeah. <laughs> right? Because shit yeah. can come up for people at any hour of the night on any day. Yeah. And there's no real way to prepare for that there's no real way to understand that yeah. um so it and then again there are so many lessons that tie into this from 
any other event that would be transformative, whether it's psychedelics or a new job or, or life change, the ability to stay calm in the storm, the ability to be a rock in a stormy sea or to be a weeping willow, you know, to yeah. bend but not break. Yeah. Right? You don't want to be the mighty oak in a hurricane. You want to be the willow. Wow, yeah. So you bend but don't break. There's a fucking defensive coordinator used to say that shit that, that's at ASU. Dope. Bend but don't break. Yeah. Right? That's critical when you're facing challenges at that pace because um, ayahuasca will end. Yeah. You drink the tea. <laughs> yeah. And six hours later, you're yeah. out of the woods. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you can. That's a great point. Yeah. But these yeah, other things, yeah. they don't. Right. Yeah. And like, I've been thinking about this, about like, why? Because the women in my life are really asking me, like, why are you doing this? And I've been thinking about it a lot. And I think it really comes down to, there's a quote from Jung and it's, um, the ghosts of the parent haunt the child. And I think all of us inherent ghosts of how to love and what we need to do to be worthy of love and what others need to do to be worthy of love that I want to try to expose my ego to my demons, my ghosts, as much as I can before I have children so that when I have children, I give them the least amount of demonic ghosts about what love is, about how you should be to get love and how others should be to get love from you. And I think the more people you love in truth, the more likely you are to have your triggers exposed. And so the more people you love, the more triggers get exposed. And I want to at least know all the ghosts in my house before I bring kids into them. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That makes a lot of sense, brother. Well, you're certainly employing all the practices. So <laughs> there's, uh, there's no shortage of revealing, right? For sure. And those, these things are, are the great revealers, you know, like whatever's going on behind the curtain, that shit gets exposed. Yeah. And you can, it's very... The Wizard of Oz cannot we, live here. Yeah. We fucking try so hard to tell everyone everything's okay all the yeah. fucking time. We do it to ourselves more than anyone else. I'm Lie. fine. It's okay. I'm fine. It's okay. And it's not, right? And just like through meditation and things like that, and even like the psychosomatic expression of body in yoga or kundalini or just fucking screaming or any of these practices that move that energy out, yeah. like it's so necessary for us to live proper. It's so necessary for us to recalibrate our mind yeah. and express through the body and release the fucking tension hold up for sure. of anger or pain or fear or sadness and frustration yeah. and fucking, you know, like we the have- The body remembers, yeah. We have, the body remembers. We have to move that through the body. It's not enough to move it through the mind and say, okay, I surrender, I release that pain like point, yeah. it's still fucking stuck there yeah. you got to express it you got to stretch and open that was one of the big um takeaways for me in this men's retreat in Sedona with Aubrey and um, my buddy Cal and Ted Decker who fucking authored the 49th Mystic and Rise of the Mystics and, and a few other ones Tate Fletcher Aaron Alexander one of the biggest takeaways for me was in order to soften my heart and be more compassionate I must soften everywhere I yeah. must soften my mind 
in my approach and rigidity. I must soften my body. And that doesn't mean I'm going to turn into a fat tubby bitch. It just means like I need to be more flexible and more limber because when I'm stiff and tight in the body- Your armor is too good right now. There's an expression of that in the mind. If I feel stiff and stagnant in the body, my mind replicates that. Absolutely. Right? And that's that's a fucking big one and for me and, to get. And what's so interesting is uh, I've realized the opposite for me since Peru is that um, I starved my animal body of power because I didn't want to look at my animal nature and the power that came from it. So I, I, I had a really weak, flimsy body. And as since Peru, I've recognized, no, that's being weak. And what I need to do is I need to let the beast come forward and deal with the the nature of the beast. And so I've actually started working out, trying to get my body to a place where the animal nature is louder so I can actually contend with it because I let the bear starve in the basement. And that's not fair. Mm -hmm. So like now I'm trying to feed that motherfucker and say, okay, it's time to come out and I will wrestle with you. Yeah. You know? Hell yeah. That's balance, right? Balance looks different for everyone. Balance might be, hey, I've been focused so much on my body, it's time to release some of that. For sure. Open up, stretch more, be more flexible in all ways, right? And for others who have been so focused on the cognitive side of things, the mental, emotional, spiritual, maybe it is time for sure. to push, right? And that's, that's those are the things we reflect upon as the year changes, Yeah, right? That's what's important, not when the clock strikes 12, but for the whole fucking first quarter, for all of January, for all of February, for all of March. Yeah. Think of which seeds we plant in the springtime. Be mindful of that. Yeah. Understand what will I push to grow throughout the year and know whatever hiccups I have are just that. It's not off the wagon. Yeah. It's not now I'm a fat loser again and I'm going to eat this <laughs> way for the rest of the year. Sure. Circle back. Get back on it. Do it. Yeah. There's Our development is not uh, a straight upshot and straight downshot. It's we are circumnavigating a mountain and we're rising and we will revisit all of these parts of our development at higher and higher elevations. And so like your diet is something that you'll revisit every year and you can hone and tinker. It's not something that you just get perfect or you fail. It's you're constantly rising to a new elevation and you can look at it in a new way and you can bring it up with you. Like, And every day you make a choice, Yeah. right? Every day you make a choice, multiple choices. Yeah. Um, What am I going to eat today for breakfast? What am I going to eat today for lunch? What am I going to eat today for dinner? I have a choice to make each time in that. I have a choice to make on how I react and respond when I'm in uh, a tough spot, if I'm in an argument with my wife, or if something's going on at work that I feel isn't right. Whatever yeah. the case is, whatever I'm resisting, I have a choice to make in how I respond to that. Yeah. And that's all presence. Those choices are always made in the now. Yeah. And they are presence. Mm-hmm. You know, the choices yeah, are presence in the presence. Yeah. Uh, I stole that line from Kanye West. He said that my presence is a presence. Anyways, <laughs> um, in January, who knows where Kanye West will be, but I'm, I'm willing to make Maybe he'll be a part of Trump's cabinet. We might see. Um, and a thing that... Uh, I wanted to touch on earlier is that the most practical technique that I have found to help me hear Hermes in a day-to-day to help me 
check my momentum of the day, you know, so like if something starts to go off the wheels, I can catch it quickly, is journaling. Mm. And I think it goes back to the idea that you were talking about how most of us, we lie to ourselves about what is wrong. And it's such a weird game that we're playing because in our mind, we know that we're lying to ourselves. Like some part of us knows that we're refusing to admit the truth to ourselves. Like just take a moment to think about how fucking weird the human is. That it's like if your best buddy knows that you're lying about a story and you still tell the lie in front of him. Like the audacity and it's <laughs> insanity really. Yeah. But so like what I think journaling can do for people who genuinely try to do it is it's the first place that they can start to admit the shit that they lie about in their own head every day about how they feel about their loved ones, how they feel about their coworkers, how they feel about their dreams or where their life is headed or their children or their parents. Like, because I really think, and this is straight out of Jordan Peterson's work, is that if you speak the truth and if you act in truth, like if you perform the behaviors in truth, whatever happens is the best possible thing that can happen because it's in truth. And the opposite is true too. Things done in lies. Thinking done in lies. It produces the opposite of what is best, always, period. Mm. And I think I offer journaling to people because most people are so, the very beginning of the journey is being truthful to yourself. And most people, especially like we're in such a, co a cocoon here that like when I go on dates or I meet friends of friends and I go to parties and I see people outside of this, like people are walking self-denying liars. And it's, it's so viscerally <laughs> obvious. So and it's like, <laughs> <laughs> it, it's part I want to cry and part like uh, I want to hug. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like whatever shame you think the dad in your mind or the mom in your mind has on you being honest, like I just want to hug that shit out of them. But then there's also this like, well, I just met you. Am I allowed to talk about your mom and make you cry and try to help you see that yeah. that's not okay and that you can just be honest with yourself and the person that you're arguing about or complaining about you can go talk to right now. And if you have a genuine conversation with them, it'll change your whole relationship and everything at work will start to get better. Or do I just laugh at your lie? Yeah, you know, that's tough. Well, let me let me ask you this: something I've I've wanted to get into journaling, mm. and I actually have a good reason to now. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, with life's challenges, where I'm at with them, yeah. Um, I've done like the gratitude journal and shit yeah. like that, and I liked it because it made me more mindful of what sure. I what I appreciate in life and what I have real gratitude for. But that always those those are something that I'll have and I'll use for a quarter and then they're and gone. It, they gone. It feels hollow. Yeah, it so, feels hollow to me. What are some tips for people to start journaling? And I'm really asking this for myself. For sure. Okay, create your own ritual, whatever it is, but get weird. Like get as weird as your fucking weird woo woo self wants Lights to get. Some incense and shit. As deep as you want to fucking go. But so here's here's how I think about it. Who I could be, if who I could be, my potential is a God that exists at the edge of time that's watching me. He's witnessing me right now. 
He knows all my thoughts. He knows all my wishes, all my desires. If I'm being truthful, he knows. He wants me to become him. And he will try to help me. And the way he tries to help me is through my intuition. But the quality of my intuition depends on my ability to be truthful. Mm. So when I, when I write, I imagine I'm talking to my potential. And it's weird. I'll sometimes say goddess. I'll sometimes, you know, say Prometheus is the name I give my, my potential. But in my mind, I feel like the God of who I could be is watching me. So it's like, show the fuck up, Eric. Say the fucking truth, Eric. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and whatever ritual you need to do to get into that headspace of your God, not abstract God, the thing, the Kyle you could become, he's watching and he's, he's a fucking elder. He's everything you could be if you did everything you knew you should and you stopped doing everything you knew you shouldn't. And he's sitting at the edge of time. He completely loves you and he wants you to become him. And I think he'll help me through journaling. Like, that's how weird I get. Yeah, with it, I like know? that. I like that thought process. Almost allowing that as a as a muse to one hundred percent. Yeah, that's fucking huge. Well, that doesn't weird me out. I'm sure it might weird some other people <laughs> out. <laughs> I can't speak for everyone. Yeah, and the um, thing that I would offer not in the least is, bit. That sounds amazing. The thing that I would offer is that we don't know what's true, so it comes down to what ideas make you more effective in the world. I have found no idea more powerful than that as manifested through journaling. And it sounds egotistical, but the life I have now is testament to that idea working, you know? So if you're skeptical, be a true skeptic, be a true scientist and try it. Run the experiment and look at the data. If you just ignore it outright, you're a dogmatist. You're mm. in a dogma and you're just not playing the game of life as well as you could. Yeah, brother. Well, I think this is a good place to push pause. I need to pinch a loaf of bread. All that, uh, all that. What, what do we got here? Let me give him a shout out. Redwood Hill Farm Plain Cultured Goat Milk Kefir is how I've been uh, reestablishing my microbiome in lieu of 17 days of carnivore diet, which I believe everything's up on, on it right now. So you want to get dive into that, go for it. Um, anywho. I'm going to let all this bacteria come out of my poop chute and uh, we'll circle back to round two on yours, brother. Yes, sir. Thank you guys for listening to the show today with my man, Eric Godsey. Be sure to hit us up on social media. Let us know what you think. And as always, 10% off foods and supplements at onit.com slash podcast.